0: Welcome to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast, a place where hungry minds discuss all things evidence-based nutrition, fitness, mindset, and healthy living. We're your hosts, registered dietitian and nutritionists, Courtney, Darian, and Hannah. Let's dive in. The information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only, so always speak to a healthcare provider, such as a registered dietitian who can work with you directly about your unique healthcare needs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast. Today, we are so excited to recognize our sponsor for this podcast episode. Um, Craven Sports Services is sponsoring this episode, and Craven is a Saskatoon-based integrative health center supporting clients across the city, province, and country with the belief that exercise is our medicine. Their team of physiotherapists and strength and conditioning coaches are industry-leading using an evidence-based approach to empower clients at all ages and stages of health, fitness, and injury management. Whether you're rehabilitating an injury or setting personal health, fitness, or performance goals, the team at Craven Sports Services is here to help. Visit them online at cravensportservices.ca to get started with in-person or online physiotherapy and training today. In today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about body recomposition or how to lose body fat and gain muscle. We do want to state a warning that in this podcast, we'll be discussing changing body shape, which may or may not be in alignment to where you are in your unique health journey. So if you sense this discussion isn't for you, we highly encourage you to skip over this episode and move on to the next one. So this topic, body recomposition, or even weight loss, which we've discussed in the past, is a very taboo topic in the health and wellness industry, so much so that a lot of healthcare professionals shy away from discussing it, and truthfully, we felt a bit the same. However, we decided that we want to discuss this topic from an evidence-based approach um, and really uh, tackle this gray area together and move through some recommendations if this is a goal that you have.
1: As dietitians in this space, um, lots of people will come to us with their unique health, fitness, and nutrition goals. And a term we often hear is that they would like to get toned. And really what getting toned means is that we are having um, increased muscle mass with less body fat so that that muscle mass is visible and that we get this nice leaner shape to our body. Um, And really what that is is body recomposition. And so that is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, Hannah, who would you say body recomposition? recomposition is for.
1: Yeah, I think that body recomposition is you know, for the general answer, almost for anyone who is willing to or excited to get into the gym um, and get into more heavy strength training, um, I think the major populations, you know, are people who al- already do strength training. So whether they know they're recomping their body or not, they probably are. Um, people who really want to get into strength training and so they want to learn that new space and bring some new skills to their life, they can body recomp. And then, of course, people who are looking for that aesthetic goal of, quote unquote, looking toned or adding a different shape to their body.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And something that I've kind of noticed working with clients is oftentimes clients come to us and say they have a goal to lose weight. But when we really get into the discussion, um, it isn't necessarily weight loss that it, is their goal it's body recomposition? So, I mean, we've done a whole episode on weight loss and like how to use the scale if that's a data point you're tracking. But oftentimes we see with these um, clients who have body recomposition goals, the scale might be, you know, a piece of the data that we're collecting, but it becomes less relevant. So we're really shifting from a goal of weight loss to evaluating other factors that would, you know, show that the body shape is changing, whether we're assessing it by like a DEXA scan or even, you know, the way clothes are fitting or the changes that you're sh- seeing when you look in the mirror.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So is there a population Hannah, that you'd say body recomposition could happen fastest for?
1: Yeah, so definitely the fastest is going to be kind of the quote unquote newbie gains. Um, you may or may not have heard this term before, but essentially, somebody who has never strength trained before is going to see the fastest adaptations to training. Um, and this is simply because their body isn't used to it. So it's something completely new and unique, and our body will adapt quite rapidly. Um, the other kind of populations that, it's going to happen a bit faster for our people who have never done something called progressive overload training, which we will dive into a little bit later on in the podcast. Um, but essentially, training that is more focused on our goals of increasing muscle mass or increasing muscle size, I should say. Um, so I know you guys kind of have different experiences with this because I come from more of that classical strength training or classic like hypertrophy training. Um, But you guys have more of a CrossFit background. So I'm curious of, yeah, your guys' experience with that.
0: Yeah. I think like when I think of my newbie gains starting out in CrossFit, like simply doing movements I had never done before, like compound lifts allowed me to build muscle quite quickly. But now I think like my CrossFit training age is getting up to like nine years and I'm noticing like I still get fitter, but my body doesn't Change the way it did when I first started. So yeah, I'd be kind of curious if my goal was body recomposition, what I might have to adjust in my training. Um, but yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of in university started in the bodybuilding realm mm-hmm. style of training and then transitioned into CrossFit. And that transition, um, I noticed very immediate body composition changes. And I would say still I'm noticing some, but. Um, I'm not as um, seasoned in CrossFit yet either. So I feel like maybe I'm
1: still benefiting from that style of training. Yeah, totally. Um, And then – kind of just the last you know population that I would say that body recomposition will happen a bit faster for um, is somebody who has maybe done body recomposition in the past or has done a more bodybuilding style of training but for whatever reason they've taken a long hiatus off of training um, and so when you take a long break you are going to decondition a little bit but we know through muscle memory and kind of our neural adaptations even so um, mind to muscle connection and things like that just how efficient our body fires when we come back to training, um, we're going to see those changes or those gains come back quite quickly.
0: Yeah, I actually have a client like that right now who's coming back to training after an injury. And it's so interesting to see how quickly his body's adapting. And I mean, we'll get into the nutrition recommendations that he's using to facilitate um, building back his muscle. But it's certainly like um, interesting to see how quick that can happen for people who have that muscle memory. Yeah, totally. Hmm. So in today's podcast episode on body recomposition, we want to explore five main factors to consider if this is your goal. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can consider when we're building muscle, um, but we chose the top five that are going to be most effective to progressing you towards building muscle and potentially even losing body fat. So the first consideration, if your goal is body recomposition, is to embrace strength
2: training. Strength training is essential to changing your body composition as your muscles won't grow if they don't have stimulus that challenge them to adapt. We're gonna dive into a few tips here to build a strength training routine that will best support your body recomposition goals.
0: Yeah. And I do want to say we're going to be picking Hannah's brain quite a lot Mm -hmm. in this section on embracing strength training because Hannah actually has a degree in kinesiology and is a certified personal trainer. So we're so excited to be able to like pick her brain and her knowledge base.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to kind of merge the two areas that I I know about and that I care about together. So it'll be exciting. Um, The first one that like the first topic, I guess, that I already touched on a little bit is that progressive overload. So essentially to build muscle, it is important that the program that we choose includes a progressive overload component. And essentially what progressive overload means is that we gradually are going to increase um, the stimulus that we place on our muscle, and this essentially makes our muscle change. So this could be through a lot of different ways, um, but essentially we know we can't stay stagnant in our routine. So some t- ways we can increase progressive overload um, would be through weight, and I think that's like the most classic way we do it, right? So just increasing the actual weight that you're lifting every 3 weeks or whatever it is that's working with you in your program. Um we can change the reps and the volume. Time under tension is a big one. And actually like Courtney, I'm curious cuz I know you've done a few more like bodybuilding-esque workouts recently and you talked about the time under tension being different. Oh my
0: gosh, yes.
1: I've been experimenting with a little
0: bit more bodybuilding type training (laughs) and yeah, that's a totally new consideration for me to keep the muscle under tension versus just like moving through the reps as quickly as possible or breaking Mm -hmm. when I need to break to get the work done, um, which is more of like a CrossFit focus for a lot of workouts. It's like, we're just getting this volume in versus focusing on that tension.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So essentially like exactly what Courtney said, like time under tension is literally the amount of time that your muscle is under tension. So essentially how slow or the tempo that you're doing your reps at. So the slower that we do a rep, whether that be a bicep curl, a squat or whatever, the more time under tension we have and therefore the more muscle damage essentially that will elicit. And that is why we can do that um, to see progressive overload in our training as well. One that is less talked about but I think is huge and one that I've kind of experimented more recently is by improving your form is Mm -hmm. also a – Um, way we can progressive overload. And so essentially, you know, tweaking your form, making sure the weights where the weight should be like distributed in your body and things like that. Um, If we're tweaking our form and we're getting the muscles that we're supposed to be getting, that is also another way that we are challenging our muscles in a new way.
0: So something I've thought a lot about coming from the background of CrossFit um, and kind of watching people who would do like more of a classic progressive overload in the bodybuilding world, I'm like, oh, like I don't progressive overload in CrossFit. Like maybe that's the missing link for me to see changes to my body. And perhaps it is. But I know something we've chatted about, Hannah, is that progressive overload, even a cro- in a CrossFit program, while it is varied compared to the consistency of, r- of a routine in like the mm-hmm. bodybuilding world, there is progressive overload if you are you know increasing your weights or doing you know bigger sets or whatever it might be there is that progressive overload component just how you're monitoring it isn't going to be as consistent maybe as in other routines.
1: Totally and I think you guys both kind of spoke to that um, and especially Darian like going maybe from something that was more classically like bodybuilding progressive overload to that um, CrossFit and seeing actually bigger body composition change recomposition changes there just because it is a new Mm -hmm. stimulus And like, yeah, exactly what you said, Court, like you aren't lifting the same weights that you did nine years ago at CrossFit. Darian's not lifting the same weight she did three years ago at CrossFit. You guys have implemented progressive overload, um, but maybe just not the same way as what we would classically think of.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some other considerations, Hannah, within this strength training recommendation?
1: Yeah. So definitely the volume and the frequency of training. So essentially this is how many days a week you need to train, but then also the amount of um, reps or sets you kind of need to do per muscle group. So we know as a baseline that you can see body recomposition changes, or maybe more specifically increase in muscle size um, through two sessions a week per body group. Um, So really This means that technically, if you were doing really effective full body lifts twice a week, you would have enough um, stimulus to elicit body changes. However, I would argue for most people, um, it's easier to hit muscle groups twice a week when you're going to the gym more than two times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, So oftentimes, we'll see the recommendation be closer to three to five lifts a week. That just doesn't mean that you're hitting every single body group five times a week.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of exciting news for maybe people Mm -hmm. who are really busy um, and don't have time to strength train, you know, multiple times a week, knowing that if they have a program that's, you know, built in the... a a great way for their goals that two sessions per week could actually elicit some change.
1: Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, it definitely doesn't need to be a a six-day-a-week grind to see changes, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Any other considerations for people within this strength training recommendation?
1: Yeah, so the last kind of part within this training volume piece is how hard we're actually working. Um, So this is something that we see a lot, or I would say I see a lot in the training atmosphere, particularly with women, um, is that they do not... Push themselves hard enough, um, or they kind of undersell themselves of how much weight they could lift. Um, So, when we're talking about rate of perceived exertion, is something that we talk about quite a bit, we use a scale. Um, And this scale is a one to 10 scale. So, 10 out of 10 is we have nothing left in us, one out of 10 is we have barely done anything. Um, Another way to think of how hard are we working would be how many reps do we have left or reps in reserve is something you may hear. And essentially this would mean, so a 10 out of 10 would mean we have no reps in reserve. We are absolutely maxed out. We could not do another rep with good form. And then a 9 out of 10 would be we have one rep in reserve. So we stop before we could do one more rep with good form. And then you can kind of go down that scale of 1 to 10 and think of those reps in reserve. So when we're looking for increasing muscle mass, muscle size, um, we typically want to be in that 7 to 9 out of 10 range. So we are doing a very challenging weight. Um, So, you know, if you're at the gym lifting whatever weight, say 8-pound weights that you've been lifting for the last 5 years – well, I would guess that you can probably do a lot more than three extra reps when you're done a set. So that might be an indicator, hey, we need to increase the weight.
0: Yeah, interesting. And I think coming from the CrossFit background, like um, in CrossFit, you're not just considering, you know, the muscle and isolation and how long or- – how taxed it is, but also like your full body, your energy systems. So Hannah, you mentioned earlier that it might be a little bit different for someone in the cross space. Mm -hmm. And that's really been my experience. You're not just considering how taxed the muscle Mm -hmm. is, but how taxed your entire body is. And I know my approach in the past was like a 10 out of 10 (laughs) every day. And that approach um, didn't really work. Um, So Anyways, definitely different considerations, but I think that this moves to our final point Mm -hmm. on strength training, which is, yes, we want the stimulus on the muscle, but we want to rest the muscle as well so it can actually build and recover. So we need to embrace those rest days as an important part of the process of building muscle. And I know for a lot of people, they end up loving training. They want to go every single day. So for some, it takes more discipline to take a rest day, but those rest days are very important.
1: Muscle is broken down in the gym, but it's built during rest, Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is really what we know about rest is yes the stimulus is needed to break it down in the gym um, but we really need time between gym sessions to allow our muscle to repair so it can come back stronger so we can work just as hard in our next session Um, and kind of like a baseline recommendation often is 48 hours between training the same muscle group to allow for that proper rest between workouts
0: So I think a challenge that we face as dietitians is we're coming at this body recomp change from the nutrition approach. And that's where we're supporting clients. And we're going to get into that as we move through this podcast. But we don't provide specific workout programs or exercise regimes. That's not in our scope, Um, though. Hannah is a personal trainer when she's working as a dietitian. That's not something that she's prescribing. So we really need our clients to have a program that they're following. And obviously, there's many different options. But an amazing program in Saskatoon, which is also available to people online worldwide, is Craven. So Craven has um, training services um, that they offer. They have an amazing intro package that they offer which is three sessions to introduce you to strength training for $150 and then from there you can transition into other programs that they have like the supervised training option which is typically a more affordable group-based session they have personal training and they even have Craven Connect at home so if you aren't located in Saskatoon or you feel more comfortable training in your home you can actually work with a personal trainer um, virtually. Our second tip, if your goal is body recomposition, is to consume enough protein. So this is where, as dietitians, we can start to shine. This is our role <laughs> to help you ensure that you're meeting your nutrition needs. And protein is a key nutrient when we're looking at body recomposition because foods that are high in protein have amino acids, which are the building blocks of muscle. So we need enough protein to provide the muscle with the nutrition it needs to grow and even to maintain the muscle we have. So as dietitians, when we're working with clients one-on-one, we're actually able to calculate their unique protein requirements because your protein needs are going to change based on your um, body composition, your strength training regime. So we're able to take into account these different considerations to come up with a very customized protein recommendation for you. So there's different formulas and calculations we consider using body weight or adjusted body weight to come up with an amount of protein in grams. You need to be consuming daily to meet your minimum protein requirements or even like optimal protein requirements. And so a common recommendation we see in um, the literature is about 0.8 to 1 grams of protein per pound of body weight. So that's a calculation you can do to consider how much protein you would need in a day to optimize um, muscle growth. However, if we are above or below The weight that we would like to maintain. Um, Sometimes that can affect the calculation. So that's where I believe, again, it's really important to meet with a dietitian who can use adjusted body weight calculations to come up with the appropriate protein goal for you. Um, If you are quite a bit above the weight that you'd like to maintain using that simple calculation I shared could overestimate your protein requirements.
2: It's one thing to know how much protein to have, but another consideration that most clients find difficult is to understand where that protein is coming from and what that looks like for them in the day. And that is when, you know, we come in handy to help find those protein sources that are also meeting their preferences, budgets, um, and even your personal values. Like maybe you prefer a vegetarian style of eating that it can be a little bit trickier to navigate those protein sources, but absolutely something um, our team of registered dietitians helps with.
0: So oftentimes when we're working with clients, we're assessing where they're at in their nutrition journey. So if a client were to come to us and they've never really considered protein before, they might experience amazing results in terms of how they feel eating more protein, but also for this body recomposition by simply identifying protein rich foods and adding them to each meal and a snack. For other clients, if they are, you know, have more experience with nutrition, we might have to, you know, track more precisely, especially if they're looking at reaching a lower body fat percentage. So again, as dieticians, we're identifying protein rich foods, calculating your needs, but then also figuring out a method to ensure you're getting enough. And for some people that might be tracking their specific protein intake, how many grams of protein they're getting in a day and hitting on that minimum requirement. And for others, it might be, okay. let's identify protein rich foods and do some planning so you're getting enough at meals and snacks. Um, and I think that's, again, where vitality really shines is as dietitians, I think we do a really great job of adapting to the client to giving them what they need. And so for some that could be tracking and for others, it's not. And so it's definitely not a requirement to track your protein meticulously, but, you know, for some it could be beneficial.
1: Mm-hmm. So Darian, what are some of your favorite protein rich foods? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I love my egg white oatmeal, so egg
2: whites are a staple. Greek yogurt. Um, I do rely on protein bars sometimes. I know that's not always um, feasible for all people, but I find them handy to have on hand. And um, I like having just a variety of meats on hand, too. Like, I am very fortunate to get some lean ground beef from my family and chicken breast on hand.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: What about you, Hannah? Hannah?
1: Yeah. I can't say that I agree with Darian's love for Greek yogurt. I It was funny, like in the office recently, like <laughs> Darian commented, I was like, oh, you know what? I really just don't like Greek yogurt. And she's like, I can tell because it seems like you're in pain and you eat slow, slowly when you bring your Greek yogurt for a snack. And I was like, I just honestly felt like I almost had my blinders on of like Greek yogurt is such a good protein source, but I just had to figure out different ways to actually use it. So I'll use Greek yogurt in my smoothies or in uh, my overnight oats Mm -hmm. or even in like certain baking and things like that. But I personally just don't love Greek yogurt on its own and that's totally fine because I meet my protein needs in different ways. Um, So I guess, you know, turkey pepperoni sticks are one of my Mm go-to snacks that I bring often to the office. Um, Like and I always have like meats on hand. So meats that are very easy for me to cook up and just have for the week. So I often prep, um, say, ground turkey, maybe some beef or even chicken um, early in the week. And then I can just kind of add that to my meals throughout the week. Um, and of course, eggs for my eggs, um, for my egg sandwich in the morning, oh, my yes. breakfast sandwich.
0: <laughs> that recipes on the blog yes. too. <laughs> but Hannah, I just wanted to kind of like echo what you said on, you know, with protein, a lot of times people think it's like chicken breast mm-hmm. and you know, that's it. But there's so many tasty ways to include protein in your diet. So that's, again, what we're here to help with is to identify protein foods you love. So it's really easy to hit on those protein goals. And in, most importantly, enjoyable, because if mm-hmm. we're not enjoying our diet, we're not going to stick with it. So Um, yeah, I I think that we want to find those foods that we love. Um, So I know um, Darian, you mentioned Mm -hmm. protein bars. So I'm curious, do you guys ever recommend protein supplements to your clients specifically with body recomposition goals?
2: Yeah. You know, I think when it does come to body recomposition, protein supplements can be helpful typically, if I do find that clients may be struggling to get enough protein in or we're just kind of strapped for sources that they genuinely love and enjoy. So I feel like it's, I mean, much like everything, nutrition is very individualized. But I do find specifically for body recomp, those supplements can be helpful. But again, really gauging that client's level of comfort, too, and their budget as well. Yeah,
0: I find something similar, like certainly we can meet your protein Mm -hmm. needs through whole foods. So if that's the route you want to take, um, definitely we don't need protein supplements. But like Darian said, I find for my clients as well, having a protein supplement on hand and it doesn't have to be like a protein shake post-workout. It can be using protein powder to add to a smoothie and like Mm -hmm. sweeten it up. It could be, you know, a delicious protein bar that you love. So Mm -hmm. there's different ways to use protein supplements in your meals to boost the protein content without necessarily like having a a protein shake if that's not something you enjoy. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think like everything as dieticians, we'll always take a food first approach um, and we want diversity in our protein intake. So we don't want all our protein to be coming from supplements. But yeah, like you guys, I would echo the same thing that I think that protein supplements are a really great convenient source um, to get protein throughout the day that I personally use as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Not to jump down a rabbit hole, but I'm going to jump down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Hannah said variety, which I think is really important because when I mentioned at the beginning of this recommendation, like we want amino acids Mm -hmm. to build and repair muscles, like that's kind of a catch-all term. There's how many amino acids? 23? 321 oh Oh, no (laughs) there's um many different amino acids that we get from different foods and so when we have a variety of foods we hit on all of those different amino acids which you know is going to benefit us um and i mean we could even dive down some research on some of the specific amino acids that are shown to elicit um, um muscle gains um but we won't do that right now um
1: I'll just say a quick Google search here. There are 20 amino acids um, and some of them, well, nine of them are the essential ones, Mm -hmm. which essentially means we need to get them from our diet because our body will not make them. Yeah. So Thank you,
0: Google. Thank you, Google. (laughs) So to summarize this recommendation, consuming enough protein is key to offer your body those amino acids that you need to build and repair. And so understanding how much protein you need to reach your protein goals is important. And we can achieve that through adding protein sources throughout the day. Um, into snacks and for some even tracking their specific protein intake to ensure they're hitting on their protein
2: goals. A third recommendation when it comes to body recomposition is considering your energy balance or your caloric intake a.k.a. eating enough. <laughs> yeah, so we know that getting enough energy
0: or calories from food is really important to build and repair the muscle, but depending on your goals, we might be tweaking your caloric intake. So often a term we use as dietitian is maintenance calories, which is essentially the number of calories you need to meet your caloric expenditure or your energy expenditure. When it comes to body recomposition, if you're eating at maintenance calories, you're going to see body composition changes because you're fueling the body ideally with enough protein and calories Calories to build. So you're increasing your muscle mass. But if you have a goal to build muscle and maybe lose body fat, that's where we could enter a slight caloric deficit. So you're still building muscle but losing body fat at the same time. And on the other side, if your goal is to um, increase your weight, um, you could be in a slight caloric surplus.
1: Yeah. So this is different than maybe in the classical form of bodybuilding of a bulk. Um, So oftentimes you may hear people say they're bulking um, or you may hear the term dirty bulk, which essentially means only trying to consume a huge amount of calories to give yourself the amount of fuel you need to not only build significant muscle mass, but you are also going to be um, laying down excess fat mass with that approach. Um, And definitely for some people, that approach might be necessary um, or more what they're looking for. But when we're talking about a slight caloric surplus, um, it's very different than a classical bulk.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when working... With one on one with clients, like we know that nutrition is always going to be individualized, but what would be some considerations you both, Hannah and Darian, would have when working with a client to ensure they're getting or meeting their caloric needs or, you know, being in that slight deficit or surplus if that's the goal?
2: So, to answer that question, there are specific formulas that we can look at to determine our clients' um, specific calorie needs, whether we are looking at that deficit maintenance or surplus, but a really great starting approach that we find um, can work for some clients is benefiting from a period of tracking just to kind of see where their calorie intake is currently and then using our skills to see what their energy needs are depending on their goals and how we need to adjust appropriately from there and really using it as that external data just to help guide um, and those clients to like lean into where their hunger cues are at, too, because, you know, it is a little bit tricky to gauge um, intuitively if you are in a deficit or even from a um, perspective of a surplus or depending what their training is. So that tracking period can be really beneficial depending on kind of where we're going with that, those clients' goals. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think that it is so dependent on the individual, like Mm -hmm. we always say. Um, And I think it also depends how aggressively you want to approach these goals. So, um, you know, somebody who is getting into the gym for the first time um, or just – is okay with slower progress, you know, we might be able to take a less numbers approach because we can kind of just base it on their experience, how they're feeling, mm-hmm. um, and like the progress that they're making in and out of the gym mm-hmm. versus having to look at the numbers. But if we do want to be more specific and, you know, maybe we do have specific goals, like body goals, um, then that might be where we do use tracking as like a stepping stone to learn where we should be. Yeah.
2: And like Hannah said, like after learning, about their personal protein and energy requirements, Um, we do find most clients can transition to non-tracking approach to just use that nutrition knowledge that we've developed together to honor their hunger and fullness cues to guide their intake. Um, I will say, too, depending on the style of training, sometimes I find that intuitive like hunger and fullness cue is a little bit tricky, like even myself personally with doing CrossFit. I actually find it very hard to ensure... um, I'm actually fueling my body enough some days and I actually have to use tracking more as a guide to ensure that I'm eating enough across the day. Um, But just because I find sometimes my hunger is blunted with the intensity of my Mm -hmm. training Mm -hmm. or, and I find later in the day, all of a sudden I'm like, trying to play catch up with all of a sudden my hunger cues are just hitting me full force and it it just making me realize oh maybe I'm not eating enough across the day so it's pretty interesting how you know different style of trainings can really dictate and even just using that tracking to ensure that you're eating enough can be such a powerful tool.
0: Yeah, so my approach, of course, is very similar. We practice in a similar way. So with clients, I do find tracking really helpful, having that external data to ensure they're getting enough protein and they're understanding what it looks like to meet their energy requirements through the day. But as a dietitian, something that's really important for me is not to just have clients relying on external data. So calories and you know mm-hmm. grams of protein, I want to teach them how to listen to their body and be more attuned with their body so they can transition that knowledge that they're acquiring through tracking to a non-tracking approach where they know what it looks like generally to get enough protein and they know how to listen to their body and honor, you know, when it's hungry and they need to eat more when they're full and they've eaten enough. So I think tracking is really intended to provide you um, with more um, knowledge on your your nutrition Mm -hmm. intake and to help inform you about you know, your body cues. So again, you can use that to transition out. So I think if people are tracking, it's really important. Like we're not just plugging things in and and following like these recommendations. It's like we want to stay connected to our body through the process.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I would argue that body recomposition or kind of being in that slight surplus, slight deficit or maintenance lends itself um, better to kind of taking a little bit less of a data centered approach. Once you have that knowledge and know what that feels like, know what that looks like, because you're not having to be in a huge surplus for a season when you're trying to, you know, bulk and then, go into a bigger deficit when you're trying to cut Mm -hmm. Um, so it kind of allows you to be just in that middle area which I think is a lot more comfortable for people from like a physical perspective but also much easier mentally to not always be going on this shift of like bulk cut Mm -hmm. bulk cut to get body composition changes they want.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think this would be a podcast episode if I didn't like throw in blood sugars. So (laughs) we always talk about blood sugars. But when we're, you know, teaching clients to eat enough protein, fiber, balance their plate, oftentimes like it is easier to eat at that like maintenance Mm -hmm. calories or fuel their body because they're getting, you know, they're not getting these crashes in blood sugars, which is really confusing to interpret in terms of hunger and fullness. So I mean, that's something that comes into play here as well. It's like it's not just about calories. It's about Mm -hmm. how we're balancing our meals, which is, you know, above what we're talking about in this specific episode. But yeah, I I really find clients build a lot of confidence in listening to their body. And like you said, Hannah, it's a bit easier when we're not aggressive on either end of the spectrum. Totally. So to summarize our recommendation for body recomposition, it is important to be eating enough and fueling the muscle with enough energy. There are times where we can consider being in a slight caloric deficit for fat loss or a slight surplus for weight gain, but ensuring you're eating enough is key to experience um, or to provide your body with the nutrition it needs to build muscle.
2: the fourth consideration when it comes to body recomposition is getting enough sleep. So while there are many considerations for optimizing recovery from training to facilitate those body recomposition goals like hydration, mobility, stress management, um, our top recovery modality aside from nutrition would most definitely be sleep and there is a strong reason for it. Yeah so I think Eventually, we'll
0: be doing a full episode on how to optimize your sleep. But when it comes to body recomposition, what we can consider is that when we sleep is when our body um, does a lot of its building and repair and it's releasing hormones that help our body build and repair. So what we see is that when people aren't sleeping enough, it creates like an anti body recomposition environment where they're not um, getting the rest and recovery they need to build muscle optimally. So, you know getting enough quality and quantity of sleep is really important. It's going to be individualized and how we approach that might be different person to person. You know, there's factors like shift work um, or, you know, maybe a busy family life. But for body recomposition, we do want to consider prioritizing sleep.
1: Totally. And I think that at the end of the day... We kind of know that anything with health or related to health, fitness, whatever it is, whatever your goals are, um, sleep is just a foundational thing for all of those goals. So really, if we don't have good sleep, the other areas of our health are all going to kind of not be where they could be.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So our bottom line here is like we recognize sometimes it's difficult to get enough sleep. I know I have clients that are busy moms, and it's it's tricky. But I mean, we do want to consider this as an important pillar for a body recomposition goal.
1: The very last point that we want to hammer home, kind of, is that. Body recomposition is a slower process, so we do need to be patient and we need to be consistent. Um, Building muscle and also losing body fat takes time, and this is why we really believe it is so crucial to find a style of eating as well as a style of training um, that you enjoy and that you can stick with long term. And you can even see that difference between us three dietitians of I may be more of the strength training, bodybuilding type training. Courtney and Darian do enjoy CrossFit more and it's just what can you do that's going to bring you joy but also get you to where you want to be goal-wise.
0: In this podcast episode, we discussed key recommendations to better achieve body recomposition, which means to build muscle and lose body fat. So our five practical strategies, just as a little recap here, include um, adopting a strength training regime with progressive overload
2: at least two days a week, um, but perhaps even more. Uh, consuming enough protein for muscle protein synthesis and finding that personal requirement is where working with a on 101 can... Um, come in handy and help you navigate those individualized um, recommendations
1: as well as consuming enough total energy so i.e calories relative to your body fat percentage and personal goals and requirements which may or may not involve a tracking phase
0: Mm -hmm. yeah we also mentioned to prioritize sleep to optimize the hormonal environment that impacts muscle protein synthesis
2: and being patient and adopting a routine you enjoy, like Hannah said, and something you can stick with, as building muscle takes time. Yeah.
0: So at all stages of this process, registered dietitians like the dietitians at Vitality Nutrition can be important sources of education, support, and professional guidance. So if body recomposition is your goal, we encourage you to reach out if you'd like some support. And if you would like to read this article, we also have it posted on the blog. So you can find it there at vitalitynutrition.ca. Thanks for spending your time with us. To further fill your plate, Follow us on social media using the links in our show notes or visit us online at vitalitynutrition.ca. And as always, we welcome your ratings and reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay fed, stay moving, and stay well. Produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.